Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, only you can see. My soul says this beautiful morning. Lord, I am glad to come into your presence once again. I have come to magnify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I have come to give praises to the one who is the ancient of days, the God who has no beginning, has no ending, to the one who is the hope of the nations, the master of the universe. I have come to give you praise, mighty God, Rose of Sharon, Lion of the tribe of Judah, Root of Jesse, I have come to give you praise once again because you are God all by yourself. Scripture says you are God Almighty, the Lord of heaven's hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. I give you praise, mighty God. Be glorified forevermore. Thank you for blessing us with a brand new day. Thank you because as we see the sun rise again today, it is proof that you are forever faithful. And so we thank you because you are faithful. We thank you for your mercies that are new again this morning. We thank you for your love that is poured out on us afresh. We thank you for the blood that makes it possible for us to come. We say thank you, precious Lord. Receive all the glory. Lord, as we read our Bibles again this morning, we ask for wisdom and understanding in your word. We ask that by your word you would teach us discretion and let your name be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, let me say a big welcome to everyone joining in to devotion this morning. I am Murphy Eyenike. We continue our study, reading, commentary of the book of Matthew. We are reading through the New Testament um, and we are currently in the book of Matthew. Uh, yesterday we stopped on Matthew chapter 18. Alright, so thank you to everyone joining in this morning. I hope you are doing well. Matthew chapter 19, Jesus discusses about divorce and marriage um, and then Jesus will share his perspective with us and I want you to know that there is no other perspective okay outside the word of God any other perspective outside the word of God will only get you into trouble okay so and then we see Jesus bless the children and then his encounter with the rich man quite a beautiful one and then in Matthew chapter 20, we see the parable of the vineyard workers. You know, what lessons to learn from there and how it applies to us in the New Testament. And then Jesus once again predicts his death. This is the third time in the book, actually in the book of Matthew. All right, please get your Bibles. Let's read this morning, Matthew chapter 19 and 20. It says that when Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went down to the region of Judea, east of the Jordan River. 
large crowds followed him there and he healed their sick. I don't know whether you have noticed something. Why were the crowds following Jesus? Okay, many people followed him because there was healing to be received. They were sick um, and it was not so cheap to, to pay for a doctor during this time. Uh, many ailments had not yet, okay, you couldn't treat them. And so things like leprosy um, had no cure at this time and many ailments like it. And so you find someone who by his touch, leprosy goes, I'm telling you, huge crowds will follow him. And then there were those who, <laughs> because of the food, they knew that whenever Jesus, uh, it wasn't that, it was whenever, but it had happened a few times. And so they knew they could get food to eat, okay, well, in Jesus' crusade. And lastly, obviously, his teachings. There were those who were just attracted to his teaching. They wanted to hear Jesus explain, interpret the scriptures better. Whatever interpretation you give to it, Jesus was giving the people something. There was a value he was adding to their lives. Okay? So something I preached, I preached last, last Saturday as I went to minister at a, at a church. I, I told them, you want to be rich? You want crowds to follow you? Deliver value. Okay? So as long as Jesus delivered value, large crowds followed him everywhere verse 3 says some pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason listen to the question and then of course you know they were just looking to trap him right for just any reason does not make sense so they have an argument is it okay for him to this to divorce her if they fight this morning over maybe her food wasn't wasn't good um, should he divorce her? You know, um, if his wife has an altercation with his mother-in-law, should he divorce her? Okay, so what did they mean by, by should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Allowed to. <laughs> Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 and Genesis chapter 5 verse 2. From the beginning, God made them male and female. Strangely, I preached this last week, Sunday, and I said he made them Adam and Eve, and not Adam and Steve, okay? So he made them male and female. And he said, this explains why. Because he made them male and female, he made them uniquely for one another, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And so in marriage, they are joined together. They become one. Then why did, verse 7, why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? Even Moses did not say for just any reason. Okay? So, but that's the question. Second question they asked. They asked, 8, verse 8, Jesus replied, 
Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. Moses permitted divorce. Divorce was a concession of the law. It wasn't God's intention from the beginning. Okay? God expects that couples will work out their differences. Okay? So, listen. Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it was not what God had originally intended. In other words, God did not intend divorce. If what Jesus is saying is true, he did not intend divorce. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery. The man commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Okay? So, here... Some manuscripts had, and anyone who marries a divorced woman, you know, commits adultery themselves, right? <laughs> Some manuscripts had that, but the manuscript from where we interpret the New Living Translation does not add that, okay? It just makes sense that whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery. And of course, it will be vice versa, right? A man or a woman also that divorces her husband and marries someone else commits adultery. Jesus' disciples then said to him, If this is the case, it is better not to marry. <laughs> not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said. Only those whom God helps to accept being single, you need the help of God. Only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs, some have been made eunuchs by others, and some choose not to marry. Okay? For the sake they choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this uh, who can. Okay? So if you've made up your mind you don't want to get married, it's fine. But once you are in a marriage, Jesus does not want us breaking our vows and breaking our commitments. And then ending up in divorce, breaking up the marriage, the family, uh, the marriage institution. That's not the intention of God from the beginning. Okay? Now, next, Jesus blesses the children. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. Okay? So, you know the qualities that make children children, right? They are are humble, they are innocent, they are forgiving. It says, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their head and blessed them before he left. In other words, Jesus was breaking, I'm telling you, was literally breaking every every barrier, every every restriction they they placed, you know, segregation that the culture, the Jewish culture at that time had created. Jesus was dismantling them. Usually, children don't come to where adults are gathered. Jesus said, let the children come. You know, women too are not allowed. Jesus allowed several women to approach him. Mary sat at Jesus' feet. Those are, okay, those are class barriers that Jesus was breaking. 
Next, we read about the rich man. Someone came to Jesus with this, with this question, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have a tada life? To have it all? <laughs> Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good, but to answer your question, there's only one who is good, but to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. So the truth is, there are translations, you will see that what they will say here is continue to keep the commandments because of Jesus' discussion with this guy. Keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments. The young man replied, what else must I do? This guy is a rich man. Okay? So for those who say, that it is impossible for the rich to do the word of God. This guy said, I have obeyed all these commandments. The commandments that Jesus was talking about had nothing to do with money. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and your mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these command commandments. The young man replied, what else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, and if you read the harmonized version of this, of this particular scenario with Jesus and this rich man, the Bible said Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him, okay? Because Jesus was, was impressed by, by his sincerity. If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have you will have treasures, treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man had this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I will say it again, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is talking about those who their riches, have, their, their money have captured them. Their money is their God. And that, that's, I think that's the mistake of this, of this particular guy. Jesus says if you are in that boat, it is very difficult to enter the kingdom of, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. The disciples were astounded. Why were they astounded? Because during this time, religion favored the rich. Why you, you don't have money? You buy a turtle dove that you bring to the altar to come and you know, ask God for mercy. I will come with, a, with a, a lamb without blemish, white as snow. You know, that is what I will come to, 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 to worship God and to ask for forgiveness for my sins. I could buy a full ram you know and then you know they can confess my sins over the ram and then it will be an atonement for me and me and my family baby okay so religion worship at this time favored the rich and that was why the disciples were outstanding then who in the world can be saved they asked jesus looked at them intently and said 
Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. With God, everything is possible. Then Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? We gave up everything to follow you. What will we get? In other words, if the rich man gives up everything, he will get exactly what the disciples are getting. Jesus replied, I assure you that when the word is made new, or some versions use is made anew, and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones. His followers is not talking about the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles. He's talking about all his followers. You who have been my follow who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones. We are the elders that you see, the 24 thrones that you see in the book of Revelation represent the the, the, the believers in the Old Testament and the believers in the New Testament making up 24 thrones. Jesus says, you who have been my followers, we also sit on 12 thrones. That's the Old Testament, right? When he dies now, then that will now be us sitting on the next 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brother or sister or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Okay, so. In other words, we need that resolve to be able to be willing to give up anything for the Lord. Yes, give up anything for the Lord. It's that simple. What will you cherish more than God, your love for God? What other love do you have in the world that will be greater than your love for God? It comes down to this. But Jesus is saying that, if you give up anything for me and I have given up so much for the Lord and I know that God is helping you, you are giving up so much for the Lord, Jesus says you will get it back a hundred times, multiplied a hundred times. Hallelujah. Alright, so let's move to Matthew chapter 20 and let's begin to round this up. First we read about the parable of the vine of the vineyard workers. So for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is like it's like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage, the normal daily wage, and sent them out. He sent them out to work. The normal daily wage is the denarius, right? Yes, and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning, in the morning, he was passing through the, the marketplace and saw, so, so let's take note of when did they start. He says that when, like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers, he agreed to pay the normal daily wage and send them out to work. So most people start working by about 7, okay? That's about when most workers start working, 7 a.m. in the morning. Now, verse 3 says, at 9 o'clock, that would be two hours later, in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them, he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. Imagine the eyes of those 
who had been working since 7 o'clock see guys coming in at 9 and they are wondering what's going on. Okay, anyway, we'll finish it on time, right? <laughs> so they went to work in the vineyard at noon and again at 3 o'clock. Sorry, let me back up. So he had... Um, let me back up to the end of verse 3 and saw some people standing around doing nothing verse 4 says so he hired them telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day so they went to work in the vineyard at noon that's at 12 almost five five hours after the first guys were were taken and again at three eight hours later uh, <laughs> these guys will be wondering what's wrong with this what's wrong with this landowner Again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. Now at five o'clock, ten full hours later, I'm telling you everything is going to hell end most likely either at six o'clock, latest at seven seven p.m. Everything ends. So at five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, "Why haven't you been working today?" They replied, because no one hired us. Their own excuse was not because they didn't have any work to do. They said no one hired them. Why will anyone hire you at 5 o'clock? It's almost the end of the day. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. The last workers were paid first. So when those hired at 5 o'clock were paid... Each receive a full day's wage. Even though they work for just about one or two hours, they receive a full day's wage. When those hired first, <laughs> 10 hours apart, those hired first, hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour. <laughs> you see it now? So they finished... They stopped working by, by 6 in the morning, 6 in the evening. They worked only one hour. And yet, you've paid them just as much as you paid us. We worked all day in the scourging, the scourging eat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? <laughs> when I think about this story, eh, all I think about eh, is the grace of the New Testament. Because I'm telling you, the believers of the Old Testament will be looking at us and they will be wondering, how can these people be so favored? How can these people be so blessed? We worked hard to get our own salvation. These guys are practically doing, almost doing nothing. Everything is covered by grace. Everything, the blood, the blood is speaking for them. They will be wondering, <laughs> Those I had last received their wages, they received their wages first. Whenever I read this story, all I see is grace. The owner said, didn't you agree to work all day for, for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay these last workers the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? There's nothing against the law for the landowner to pay whatever he wanted to pay. Is it, is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then. And those who are first will be last. Okay? Big lessons. Big lessons. But one I think we should, we should, we should, we should swallow. 
and beyond that between looking at us and the old testament saints it also applies okay for those of us who have known god for so long sometimes we tend to look down at those who we think they don't know god or how can god use them be very careful be very careful you stand by grace and the grace that keeps you standing is able to keep them standing and bring them before god hallelujah Next, Jesus predicts his death again as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. He took the 12 apostles aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. Listen, he said, We are going to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of, rel of religious law. They will sentence him to die. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. The question is, Jesus impressed this on them several times. But somehow they missed it. They just did not remember. Next, Jesus teach, teaches about seven others. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? He asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places, in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. We will be sitting on, on 12 thrones anyway, but one on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Oh yes, they replied, we are able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. The ones he has chosen, their prizes, they will pay. He has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples had what James and John had asked, they were indignant. Hey, hey, imagine Peter. Hey, hey, look at this James. I came here before you, James. And in fact, Andrew. Andrew came before all of them, before even before Peter. Andrew would have been wondering, can you imagine these guys? They want to take the seat ahead of me. But Jesus, he said, when the ten other disciples had what J James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, you know, you know, actually, if you read the parallel of this, of this, I think in the book of Matthew, when Jesus called them, eh, they were trying to hide that they were arguing over position. He said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. These things are clear. I don't know why we fight for positions in church. Why we want to be on top in church. Those who want to lead must serve. Jesus said, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Next, finally, Jesus is two blind men. As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting beside the road when they heard that Jesus was coming that way. They began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. But they only shouted louder, Lord, Son of David, 
have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly, they could see. Then they followed him. Hallelujah. All right, so big lessons, even from the final story we just read, the final story. Listen, when you listen to the crowd, you will not, Jesus will not hear you. Because they will silence you. Stop listening to the crowd. You see, the very people who are trying to silence you will be the very people who will praise you when you succeed. So your own duty is to keep your focus on Jesus. Keep your focus on Jesus. Second lesson, too many lessons today in today's reading, right? But second lesson, Jesus says, whoever wants to be the leader, whoever wants to be first in our own time presently here the person will be last it is when the judgment comes that the person will be first so i am encouraging you this morning stop fighting for positions Hmm? stop fighting for position be the servant yes be the servant be the one who works for others be the one who is the role model for others to follow and the Lord will bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we say thank you this morning for the lessons we have learned. We ask once again, grant us discretion to apply these things in our lives. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.